You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Antler Up podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're on episode 187, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Mr. Kansas, John Landwehr. John resides in Kansas where over the last three years, he's killed two 200-inch whitetails and one 170. This year, John, Tyler Wilbur, and Angela Gianni are going to be traveling all over the country filming their hunts for their brand Legacy Pursuit. So we get to hear what John has planned, and all the stories, the lessons, and the strategies John used killing his three giant Kansas bucks. We begin this episode by getting an introduction to John and hear how he learned the ins and outs of hunting Kansas over pretty much his whole life when he moved there when he was six. From John's description, though, from where he hunts is completely different from what I grew up hunting and hunting to this day. So hearing his style and the strategy for how he hunts these giant whitetails was something I had to hear. So following this up, we get into breaking down the stories, the main takeaways for killing these past three bucks. Two of them which shared a similar story in that they were taken early compared to the one last year where John really had to grind the year out to finally catch up to him. So in between hearing these stories that we hear, really John talk about the buck that he and his son were after, mainly his son, and what he believes ultimately really why it didn't work out for them while they're hunting this buck. So we wrap things up here about John's upcoming plans and what is in store for Legacy Pursuit. So enjoy, sit back, kick back, listen up, and hear John. You hear the passion, the love that he has uh, in this episode for hunting and just the the pure joy and excitement that uh, really he brings to the table. So enjoy this episode. Got a really good, fun one next week with Byron Horton. Looking forward to dropping that one. So thanks again, everybody, for all that support. We'll see you next week. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. 
innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show, and I'm joined by Mr. Kansas himself from the Legacy Pursuit. I'm joined tonight by John Landwehr. John, welcome to the show, dude. Hey, thanks, man. It's cool to be on here finally. I'm excited. Oh, man, I know. We're just talking a little bit off air quickly, and like I was just mentioning mentioning to you, my summer schedule is either wide open or it's fully booked. Like It's never anywhere in between and i appreciate your patience uh getting this one down and i and uh, i'm really looking forward to this conversation we have some mutual friends and uh if i'm i'm really excited for people to get a chance to listen to you because man when i say mr kansas i'm not knocking uh and i i mean, i mean this one because john will get into this and i don't want to jump too far ahead quickly but let's just say that uh between my dad and i John, in the last three years, years as far as like gross inch goes, as far as for uh, whitetail can, as goes, man, my dad and I combined probably aren't even at like uh, <laughs> probably maybe combined we're touching it just because of all those little dinks that we've killed growing up. But uh, you've killed some some hammers the last two years, uh, well three years, two over two hundred and one in the one eighty. So. We'll dive into those stories. We'll talk about things you've learned uh, throughout those hunts because I know that's something you're really big into. But before we do that, obviously coming from Kansas, John, give uh, our listeners a little bit of an introduction of who you are and where you come from, man. All right, man. Yeah, so uh, I grew up, actually, I was born in Nebraska, uh, really big pheasant country up there. And from the sixth grade, I believe it was, we ended up moving to Kansas to my grandpa's farm. Because he went to a retirement home, so we ended up moving to Kansas because of that. And uh, my dad actually raised ch- pointing chocolate laps. So, mm. you know, him doing that, we were in a bird hunting, I mean, shoot, almost every single day. So, you know, that kind of got the feel going for me. And I always remember as a little kid, too, my dad was a traditional archer. And it was really cool because he would take me and show me these places when he shot a deer. But, see, he only shot for meat. That's strictly what he was doing he was just trying to put food on the table but he would take me to go on these track jobs and stuff and he would show me like you know i sat right here in the fork of this tree you know and i shot this doe and she walked by and it's like oh man it's so cool like oh man you're my hero like this is so cool but uh i mean like i said we moved to kansas we were big into bird hunting and you know we'd be pushing out these draws and the crp fields and stuff and you just see these just great big massive bucks coming out and uh, I think it was the seventh grade, uh, I finally got into, into deer hunting. Uh, got a loader and was able to hunt the youth season. And I just, just got, I'm actually staring at him over here now. He's just a real, real nice, pretty big eight-pointer. And nice. I got really lucky. We were, they were doing a deer drive. Actually, no, what it was, these two guys I was hunting with were stalking this buck. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. They were stalking this buck. And the buck saw him. And I was, 
they were driving literally a rental van. It was a little minivan. It was a rental. <laughs> this was, I was standing on the back bumper watching them stalk this deer. Well, where the deer was standing, or when the deer stood up, they couldn't see him because he was on the other side of a, a big cottonwood tree. Okay. And he saw them stalking him. And so that deer actually hit the ground. And I could see the deer's just the, just the tips of his antlers. I swear this deer was crawling on the ground. Oh my god! Where he got where the hunters couldn't see him, and then he jumped up and started running towards me, toward the fan. And I was like, "Man, this is my opportunity. I got my gun. It's loaded. Like, let's get in there." So I literally got like ten yards from the van, and I hunkered down, and just some tall tumbleweeds. And this buck come running twenty less than twenty yards from me, straight at me. And I just picked up the gun, put it in his chest, and just let her let the hammer go, man. And he folded right there. So that was pretty <laughs> cool. That was my first ever buck. So that was that was pretty awesome. And uh, shot a couple of does later that year with a rifle. And I just decided, you know what, this is fun, but I want to really, I want to challenge. Yeah. So then the next year, I ended up shooting my first buck. He's a hundred and. I don't know, 135 inch 11 pointer that I shot with a bow on the ground. So that was, and man, once you shoot your first deer with the bow, that just fuels yeah. the fire even more. And it's just escalated yeah. ever since. About the same age, either 12 or 13. I, I, I can't recall. I'm pretty sure I was 13 because my first deer that I shot w with the rifle was when I was 12 years old. So I'm pretty mm -hmm. positive this was just that next year uh, after shooting my bow for a couple of years. Cause that, that was the one thing, man. I remember. My parents were divorced, and when my dad would drop me off, we'd always stop at this gentleman's um, uh, taxidermist shop, but he also had bows. And I won't forget, he had like Hoyt. Um, I, I think he had Matthews as well. My dad, we'd always just look at them. I just remember that old Hoyt logo <laughs> with the apple on it and just wanting one so bad. And uh, it's just such a cool memory how you, this, uh, you know, it, it brings up. But what, what good times, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's nothing like it. And I'm, I don't love that. My kids are, you know, I have three boys, uh, and I love that they're still involved. You know, they, they eat it up. Blake, the youngest one, he's 11. I'm not sure. I never thought anybody could be more diehard than I am, but he yeah. is pretty darn, <laughs> he's in it to win it. I'll just tell you that, man. He's, he's more in it than I am, I believe. And he's, and I'm really impressed because even, I think it was like, I don't remember if it was two years ago or three years ago. He was eight or nine and he'd been, been watching me and what I was doing and had this real nice three and a half year old 10 pointer come in and, and he's getting all excited and stuff. And I was like, are you going to shoot him? He's like, well, I don't know. Dad, how old is he? I said, well, I, I know he's a three-year-old. I, I know him. He's a three-year-old. He goes, nah, I'm, I'm going to let him walk. I'm like, Wow. Are you serious, kid? Like, you're going to let this deer walk? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to shoot him. And then he ended up killing a, oh, it was a really nice nine-pointer. Big old buck, giant-bodied buck. He had to stick it out till I think, like, the second week of November, but he ended up killing a good mature buck, so he was real happy with that. And yeah. a couple hunts before that, I I kind of screwed it up for him. I, I messed up. I messed him up on about a 170-inch 10-pointer because I th I could see the deer. I thought he had a clear view. And I said, come on, shoot him. And so he shoots, but I don't even know where the arrow goes. And I'm like, what's – and I look over at him, and this kid's about in tears. He's like, Dad, I couldn't see him. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. You know, but, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just completely ate up with it. You know, he's – the last couple of years, he's been chasing a giant, and uh, we're hoping he shows back up for him this year. So that's the kids are a big thing for me. I, 
most seasons I couldn't care less if I shoot one. Just I, I always try to focus on the kids, get them their deer, and if they're done, all right, it's dad's turn. I'll go out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So when when did you end up moving to Kansas again? Uh, I was in the sixth grade, so okay. I can't remember how old I would be then. What, 12? Like 12. 12, yeah. Yeah, 11, 12, something like that. Yeah, so that's when we moved here to Kansas. And like I said, it's just uh, – it's just escalated since then. I've, and I'm not far from there. I'm about an hour and a half from there now. So I'm still kind of in the central western part. Uh, we're in pretty big open country. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of trees. And Tyler and Angel always give me crap. It's like, I see a tree in the background. Like, there's a tree out there. <laughs> yeah, there's <Yeah>. one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a an area and a state. I think I've said this on the podcast before that I really want to go and take my dad. And yeah. He, he wants to hunt. He's like, I, I think it's like every, I don't know, like our generation, it's our dads that are like, I want to go up to Canada. And I'm like, why do you want to go freeze your nuts off to shoot I a whitetail? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like you are going to freeze. Like, don't get me wrong. Enormous deer as far as bodies and, and you know, racks are concerned. But like, let's go to Kansas. Let's go, uh, let's go to do something like that where we could, we could drive, we could just see the country, maybe go hit up another state. I'm all yeah. about that, man. Yeah, you're you're pretty much just like Tyler, you know, from Pennsylvania. Yeah. He's the same exact way, you know. Kansas has always been his bucket list and and his dad, you know, same thing. You know, his dad's always wanted to hunt Kansas and stuff. Yeah. And when they when they put him for the draw, and I'm like, dude, He's well, I think Tyler asked me, he's like, man, what do you think about bringing my dad? I mean, he's like, he's always wanted to hunt Kansas. I was like, hell yeah, bring him, dude. Put him for the draw. Put him in there. Like, come on, man. And luckily enough, they all, him, Tyler, uh, uh, Angelo, Tyler, and his dad all drew Kansas tag. So, yeah, so they were, they were all excited when they all drew for sure. Because there's a lot of guys that it's like, seems like Kansas has been every other year for them. You know, I know a lot of guys that they like, oh man, I always get a Kansas tag. And then it's like, Nope, not this year. What is? How is your deer herd out there? It kind of it varies a lot. Um, you know, like I said, we're in open country out here. You just you find pockets. You find some areas out here where I'm at where there's just not a deer, and then you go to other areas. There might be you know 300 within two miles. You know, it's it's crazy how how pocketed it is. It's like where uh where I shot Zeus the big one a few years ago. You would never. I would have never guessed in a million years that this deer was there or as many deer that are in this area. It is just totally wide open. There's just grassy draws and waterways and stuff like that. And there's a ton of deer. I mean, it's crazy. But then you can go to some of these wooded areas and not find a deer. So I don't know what it is. I know a lot of it is crops and crop rotation really affects our deer. But the herd is really really in good health, though. That's good. That's good to hear. Now, are you – uh, I know, especially like Zeus, like you, you work on individuals' farms and, and you, ha- you have those oppor- opportunities and permission to hunt these farms. Is that mainly your, your, your bread and butter is hunting these private farms like that? Or are you getting out on, pro- on public at all? Like what's, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I, I don't care what you do. Um, I don't care what anybody does as long as it's, it's legal. And I, I have no, I hunt private, I hunt public. It, so, I mean, what is your, just so that way I, I know as far as like, you know, for some questions coming up. Yeah. Um, pretty much all of my spots are private land. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we have hunted public land before. There was some public land that was really good down on the river a couple of years ago that we hunted. That's actually where Blake missed that big 170 inch 10 pointer was on that public wow. land. Uh, 
it just once everybody knew that it was public, it got hunted and it got hunted really hard. Once some of the guys knew that there was big bucks on there, you know, they're calling their brothers and their cousins and everybody, and you couldn't even find a place to park. And I was like, well, I'm really glad that I had the place a half mile yeah. north of here because y'all just chase moths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, most of my stuff, uh, I don't think I'm hunting. Not here in Kansas. I won't be hunting in public this year, I don't think. And it's just, it works out better. You know, once you get a target buck, most of the time where I'm at, the neighbors don't hunt. I mean, there's a couple places that they do, but, uh, you know, you find a target buck and you can pretty much hone in on him and not feel the pressure of other hunters and stuff like that. So that's, like I said, not just in anybody that hunts public. There's a lot oh, of good yeah. public out there, a lot of good public hunters. I mean, heck, in, in my opinion, if you hunt public and you kill consistently every year and you kill good deer on public every year, hats off to you, buddy, because you're doing something right. That's That's yeah. hard. That's hard, yeah. man. But you got every other hunter, you know, breathing down your neck after the same deer, and you can go in there and get him killed before everybody else. That's that's doing something. I know. I always think about like if you go out a Monday, Wednesday, Friday ordeal, like quick after work. How like who? How many other people are out there on that Tuesday, Thursday that you're not there or whatever? It just it always exactly. just blows my mind. You you never know. And I've I've thought, I've seen people where they they even put their cameras at like their entry you know, like where they're parking just to, to get a sense of that, but which is kind mm -hmm. of smart. So like growing up there, then John, like when you are learning your, the ropes, basically, has that always been uh, like what we're saying about the private side of things, like hunting these farms where there's not a lot of trees. And I, you said you shot your first whitetail, like from the, with the bow, like on the ground. Is mm -hmm. that how, like kind of growing up is, is how you got the job done? Yeah, it is. It's, and see what's crazy is that nothing is ever the same. It's yeah. always different. Uh, you know, my biggest thing is you have to scout. You have to find these deer. You have to run cameras. You have to be driving the roads with the spotting scope, finding them. Because, like I said, our crop rotations are a big deal. You know, you could have wheat the one year and think, okay, well, they're going to plant Milo in it this next year. All oh, it's going to be great because all this year are going to flock to it. Well, then all of a sudden you've got this game plan this is going to work. And then the farmer throws you a curveball and plants wheat back into it. And it's like, <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I had that happen this year, actually, but that is a, it is a constant. It's just like anything, as you know, it is a constant learning curve. There is you, as soon as you think you got to figure it out, better think again, because you do not. It's yeah. just doing your homework. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Luck has a lot to do with it, but ultimately it's the sweat on your brow. That's going to get the job done. Being patient, you know, I don't know how many times I've had big deer, like, you know, Blake and I were hunting a really big one last year, a 200 incher, and we just over hunted him. You know, we, he knew the, we knew the neighbor was hunting him. He knew of the deer. And it was one of those things where we got to get in there and get him killed before he does. Ultimately they cut the mile of the deer left. That was in the story. Uh, as far as I know, they killed him, but you know, it's, it's constant, man. It's a roller coaster ride. It's like, you've got this big 200 inch deer. You, you've got him honed in and then just all of a sudden vanishes gone never to be seen again so i would love i would love to see what it, what i would actually do if i saw a 200 inch deer like like on a hunt like even if i had no frigging clue like if you were like hey jeremy i'm gonna put you on the spot tonight You're, you might see some deer and like i want to know if i would just totally freeze so john here's what i want to do i want to Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. 
They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. I want to go back and rewind so that way we could talk a little bit more. And I'm sure listeners are probably like, dang, you you, intru- you introduced him with that he's Mr. Kansas. He's killed some big bucks, 200 inches. So let's kind of go back to, I guess, three years ago. Uh, that is when you killed Zeus, I believe. Um, so this deer, what did he gross? And we'll talk about like hunting this deer and like what you learned. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Zeus was actually, he would have been the second one and I shot him okay. in 20, 2021. So 2020 would have been Titan. And he was, uh, he was two eleven is what he ended up scoring. That was gross, okay. of course. But, um, but if you want to talk about Zeus, we can, you know, we can talk about him no, too. No, go, go back to Titan. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll start, we'll kind of go in that chronological order. So we'll start with Titan because, you know, here's what I want you to do with, with these deer. Obviously, you can talk about the story, but when you look at this, like recall maybe one to two really learning takeaways that like led to your success and like how that's kind of implemented it and almost maybe as it keeps going to right now. Right. Um, yeah. So I, the biggest thing I really learned with him was to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the wind wasn't right, you know, if he wasn't going to come in till late, you know, just stay out of there. So, because I got pictures of him, in, I think it was in July, and I could I could send you the velvet pictures of this dude because it is just unfreaking real. I mean, it was like <laughs> wow, what? it was the first great big giant non-typical I'd ever got on camera, and I was just flabbergasted. It was on just a card pull camera, and uh, I remember when we first got that set of pictures. I told my wife, I said, I need to get a cell camera in there so I can just stay out of there. Because I don't want to have my scent around and everything. And it's really funny. Tyler and Angelo, are, they know about the stupid tree. That's what we call it is the stupid tree. Because there's a, there's a big, thick draw of cottonwoods and a bunch of overgrown grass. And I know that's where the deer all bed. So there's one lone cottonwood out in the field. It's about 100 yards off of the edge of all their other stuff, the bedding and everything. And we call it stupid tree. Because it's like, you're stupid if you're going to sit in that tree. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I got to stand up in that tree and I had a bait pile out for him because it's legal here in Kansas to put out corn and stuff. And uh, I knew if I'd gotten a cell camera put up there, the only time I have to go in there, because I can drive across the field. We had, we had wheat stubble in there this year. I could just drive across the field. Boss said it was no big deal. So I knew what I could do is I can drive out there at the pickup. I wouldn't have to touch the ground with my feet. And that's what I did. I didn't leave any scent anywhere. Once I got that cell camera up, you know, just make sure the batteries were always good in it. Once I got the cell camera up, I could just drive out there and literally open the driver door and shimmy my ass to the bedside of the truck, get up in the bedside and dump the corn out of the back of the truck and then get back in the truck and leave without ever leaving any ground scent. So that was, that was cool. I was like, you know, yeah. I've got this big giant buck. I know he's mature. I need to take every step I can to not let him know I'm there. And I always did it whenever it was, you know, hot middle of the day when you knew the deer weren't up moving and the wind was always out of the south in a pretty good wind so he could even hear me driving in there. I thought that was going to work at the time. So, 
So he did all that. So we got to sit in and uh, he would come in. He shed his velvet. And then he started coming in only after dark. And I said, great, another, a nocturnal deer. This is awesome. So I'd go down there. I'd go down there probably every once a week, dump corn out and leave. Okay. Well, then for some reason, that night and the night after, he would daylight. I was like, what the hell's going on here? So I started putting two, two together. Every time he heard my pickup, because my pickups got dual exhaust, it's loud, he instantly knew there was corn there. So I was like, I think I've got it figured out. Let's test this out. So the next morning, before work, I drive down there, dump the corn out. Of course, boom, daylight. Next night, daylight. I'm like, okay, let's see if this works. So we were actually in the middle of harvest, and I told my bosses, I said, if I leave, if you let me leave early tomorrow night, I can kill this deer. Like, are you sure? Like, we got Milo to cut. It's like, yeah, I can get it done. He's like, okay, well, I'll call, I'll call a truck driver. We'll have you covered. Go kill him. It's like, okay. So that morning, I went down there, dumped out corn. This time, I like revved my pickup up and stuff. I think I spun a kitty out in the field, and then I left. <laughs> so, so I'll go to work. And five o'clock rolls around. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. He's, See ya. Go get him killed. <laughs> so I head down there, got in the tree. And when it's, you know, about an hour before dark, he come walking out of the timber about 300 yards. Well, it's about 200 yards because he's kind of toward the south end. But he come walking out because I, I had a little fork buck on the corn pile. And he was kind of a, dis a good distraction at the time. And... And I'm watching, all of a sudden, I see a deer pop out of the, the big tall grass. And I pick up my binoculars, and I'm like, holy buckets. Yeah. That's him. Whole, it's just like a solid mass of antlers. And I'm watching him. And, and I think the little buck kind of had him distracted a little bit. Because as he's walking across the field, I mean, he was just didn't have a care in the world. He was just had his head down. He was just kind of walking. And I was like, okay, don't screw this up. Okay, don't screw this up. <laughs> so I like, pick up my bow, and I'm like, Oh, this doesn't get it. It's, yeah. it's worse when you get to watch him walk in because then your nerves are just through the roof. So he comes in, but he's face, facing me. I was like, no shot, no shot, no shot. Well, he turns to kind of get that little buck off the corn pile. And as he does it, you know, he turns broadside. I draw back. And I'm usually always stone cold. I, when Adele walks in and I know I'm going to shoot her, I'm like this. I'm shaking. I'm just, mm -hmm. I get, I'm that excited. When I know mm -hmm. I'm going to pull the trigger on something, I just get super excited. So I draw back, but when I draw back, I'm always stone cold. I'm good. I'm focused. I shoot. You know, that's just the way I've always been. I've never messed it up. Well, with this deer in front of me, that didn't stop. And I yeah. could not get my nerves calm. Then I'm like, oh my God, God. And he starts to act like he's going to turn and go away. So I take the shot and I zung that arrow right over his back. And I'm like, oh my God. So I missed him 20 yards, clean miss. What the hell? So he goes out there. He runs 40 yards, stops, turns broadside. It's like, what the heck just happened? Looking yeah. back. And at this time, I'm like, shit. So I'm yeah. like fumbling around, getting an arrow on my quiver. Well, by that time, he looks up in the tree and sees me. And I'm like, this is over. Like, he's not going to stand there. Get an arrow knocked. I ranged him 41 yards. He's still standing broadside. I'm like, okay, don't screw it up. You won't get another chance this deer, I promise you. Uh, so I drew back, settled the pin, 41 yards, smoked him. And he ran wow. to the edge of the field, and that's where he fell over. So 
that was really a cool experience. I had my wife on the phone and my wife always says she always knows when I kill a deer because she can't understand a word I say. It's like freaking Japanese coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, I just, I just, I just, she's like, okay, I'll take it. You got him, honey. Okay. I'll get the kids and we'll be yep. there. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's good. So yeah, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience to say the least. So he was 211, you said, and then, then <laughs> Zeus, Zeus was your biggest Yeah. the next year. Okay. What what was the takeaway from from uh, that hunt from twenty twenty one? From Zeus, that was my my biggest thing that year was learning a deer's patterns, honing okay. in on a deer's patterns because where he was at was just a big open milo field. Uh, I got pictures of him on the feeder in August, but of course it was only at night. So I started putting the puzzle pieces together. He's there an hour after dark. He's there 30 minutes after dark. He's there 15 minutes after dark. Okay. But he's never, he won't ever daylight. He's not daylight with the other bucks, not nothing. So when season got here, I was like, all right, I need to go try to lay eyes on him because apparently he's not, he's getting close, but not really close. Because if he's okay. not coming in till after dark, either one, he doesn't want to stand up till after dark, or two, he's bedding a little ways away. So first day of archery season, I literally parked on a blacktop road and I'm just watching, watching this Milo field, nothing 30 minutes before dark. Boom. Here he stands up. His head turns out the field. And I'm like, Holy mother of God, this deer looks way bigger in person. Than he gets on the camera and he looked big on camera. So I watched him that night and sure enough, he popped up out of the Milo field. He walked down the waterway and then I could watch him. I could watch him from where I was at, walk all the way to the feeder, you know, but, once daylight, you know, once it got dark, I couldn't see him no more, but he was on his way there. I said, okay, I know we're just betting. So then I watched it two, watched him two more nights in a row, and he was doing the exact same thing. And I said, all right, I got you, sucker. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a, uh, a redneck blind on a trailer. And on Saturday, Saturday at like around noon, we took this redneck blind, and we put it at the mouth of this waterway where I knew he was walking every night. And I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work. We might have to let it soak for a while because literally there's, it's open and boom, mm -hmm. there's a redneck blind on a trailer. I mean, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. So I was like, I don't know if it's going to work. We'll let it soak. You know, we'll watch the camera, see if he comes by there tonight. And it was like 93 degrees that day. And I remember I was sitting at home and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just sitting at home, not doing anything. It's like, well, you know, winds out of the Southwest, the wind's right. What if I just go sitting out blind and just see if I can see, you know, watch him again. So I go out there and uh, sit in the blind and I'm trying to leave all the windows closed to just, you know, try to keep my scent contained as much as possible in case deer comes out the mile behind me or something. So I've got the windows all closed up and uh, on a 93 degree day, it's pretty damn hot and that's freaking blind. Yeah. And I just start, this, this is the part, everybody loves this part. I just start shedding clothes because I'm like, I'm dying in this freaking thing. So I like my shirts off and I felt like I got to open a couple windows and I was just still rolling with sweat. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to die over this freaking deer. Thank God I brought water with me. Jesus. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever done, but here I am. <laughs> and I'm thinking all I'm thinking right now is picturing is uh, Ace Ventura when, when he's uh, coming out that ride. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dave from Urban Pursuit sent me that. He thought the same thing when I told this yep. story. <laughs> That's so funny. That's good. It was it was miserable at the time, but uh, there were some other little small bucks moving around in this waterway, and I'm watching, and all of a sudden, boom, Zeus pops up out of the Milo. I was like, holy shit. Oh, man. So he starts working working toward these other small bucks, and and so he gets to them, and they just kind of sniff each other and mess around. Well, they end up walking the other way. And I was like, crap. Well, this is over, or he's going to go the other way. He took one look at this blind, and he's like, I don't think so. So they go off the other way, and I'm like, Shh. so I was like, just start gathering my stuff up. Mind you, by this time, I am in my underwear because I am freaking hotter than hell. I am literally just in my underwear. I'm in the blind by myself. I'm like, I'm sweating to death. So I'm like gathering up my clothes and everything. And I'm watching. I was like, well, here comes that small buck. That, that little buck's coming back. So I'm like watching him in the binoculars. And then here comes Zeus up over the terrace. Just this great big massive antler. And he's right behind him. I said, no way. This little buck is going to walk right in front of me. And sure enough, he did. That little buck came out. And then right out of the tall grass, here comes Zeus at 30 yards. And I'm like, Shh, here we go. So I yeah. drew back. And I think I shot him at 32. I think 32 is what I ranged him, and that's what I shot him at. Uh, so I smoked him. He takes off out of the into the Milo field, back into the Milo field. And I'm watching him through the binoculars, and I see him, and he comes up, and his front legs come up, and he tips over and falls on his side in the Milo. Wow. I'm like, holy cow, like, I literally just pulled that off. I mean, it happened like that. I mean, it was fast. By the time I saw him coming back, I mean, it was like over and done with for in like 30 seconds, or at least it seemed Jeez. like. So it was, so, that was, that was a pretty yeah. emotional day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like what you said. It was figuring out the pattern of that deer, but then also like going with your gut. That's been like a theme this spring for all summer talking to individuals you know, like you're just sitting there, like you said, kind of not doing anything and you're looking and it's like, okay, I got that South wind, that Southwest wind. I, I could go sit in there and just see what happens. And yep. I, there you go. Right. Like if, if anything, the worst thing that could have happened was you kept, you would have just been hotter than hell in there and you would have maybe right. saw from afar. It could have been an observation sit. I mean, you had the time and you had the win so you went out there and 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 did it and that's pretty awesome just because like i was just saying you, you figured it out the year prior was patience you put, you put some things together you killed that that tightened and then the next year you're learning the movements of this deer for zoos and then going with your gut to get out there mm -hmm. that's pretty cool so with those two specific deer and obviously you, you're you're putting out like the feed and all that stuff like trying to figure out like with with the whole um uh like with trail cams and everything like that when it comes to now last year like last year was your first year i know i heard you say like that you were self-filming you still killed a 180 inch plus whitetail and for this one putting out the cameras did your trail cam strategy stay the same for all three or were things a little bit different for for the third one even well kind of he was different but kind of the same still okay uh i had i had been in this area ran trail cameras in there and stuff early in the year was getting nothing but does and small bucks and i'm like okay well i'm gonna i got other places these cameras can go we'll pull out we'll come back later okay uh so then i can't Blake and I were hunting that big deer on 
Halloween. That's what on Halloween night we were hunting that big deer didn't show. And Blake was like, Dad, you need to go you need to go hunt, you need to find a deer and you need to go after him. So I said, Okay, so on my way to work on November first, I went back down to the spot, put out a couple cameras, and right away that night he hit the, he was on the camera daylight and I was like, Holy cow, like damn, that's a nice deer. Like that's a yeah. big nice deer. Like I'd I'd probably kill I'd I'd kill him for sure. So, uh, and then same thing the next night, November 2nd, he daylighted even earlier. He was almost an hour before dark. And I said, okay, well, we're going to go kill this sucker. So on November 3rd, on my way to work, I took a deer stand with me and got it up in the tree. Uh, got everything rigged up. I think I left my bow. No, I didn't leave my bow in the tree, but I put the camera up, put the camera arm, everything. So when I got there, all I had the thing I did take up was my bow ready to rock and roll and sure enough three nights in a row he just did the same thing you know he came in on november 3rd but he actually came from the total opposite direction i thought he was coming from so okay. i wasn't really ready for him but uh yeah that was that was kind of almost just luck that he electrify escape and expand with pwr nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms forge your own path to places others can't reach by car by foot or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with four inch wide, heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24-inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code ANTLERUP750 for $750 off or ANTLERUP25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the roam. So check out RidePWR.com and prepare for your next adventure. He was there, and, you know, thankfully, Blake was like, Dad, you need to go try to find you a deer. So I said, okay. Yeah. I'll go with some cameras out, and he just ended up popping up. So <laughs> sometimes I'd rather be lucky than good. <laughs> but hey, man, I I know like you you know you put in the work and and scouting and 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 checking cameras and all that stuff. But man, sometimes you, you that little luck of being in that right place, right time. And I you know you make your own luck too, no doubt about mm -hmm. that. So what was like a takeaway hunting hunting this this third third deer? What which one? What did you t uh, name him? Stickers or something? Yeah, King Stickers. Yep. Yeah. So, what was yep. the, what was your takeaway hunting hunting this deer? So I would say the main thing was, man, really was just scout. You know, put in your time. Mm -hmm. Just because, just because, early season an area doesn't pay off. Don't just write that thing off the whole rest of the year because that's case in point right there. You never know what could come back. So now I'm kind of picking up. This year, I'm implementing that into all these other farms where, like, say, I have nothing right now, but I know in years past that as soon as all the crops come out, these places just catch fire right. with deer. And places that right now, you know, there is a lot of deer. You have to pay attention to what they're going to do when they're fall, when they hit, you know, their fall ranges, you know, where they're going to move to. So, like, last year, I've got a bunch of these bucks on camera early season, then all of a sudden, boom, they vanished. Okay. okay where the hell they go so then went and put cameras up i mean some of these bucks are moving two three miles 
I mean, it's kind of crazy. So then you got cameras up. Now they're showing up at these places. So now coming into this season, now we have a pretty good handle on some of these bucks. Yeah, they're here right now. But as soon as this Milo starts to head over here in this other area, that's where they're going to be. And we're going to be right there waiting for them to show up. Yeah. Now they're, they're betting in that Milo. Is that what you're saying? And that's what yep. made me like what you, so what's uh, like now that you have, cause here's the thing, like we talk about and you, we, li we listen to, especially here from Pennsylvania. I mean, you could, you could go down so many rabbit holes as far as like, do you rather hunt an area that is just completely loaded with acorns? Right. And just hopefully you're in that right spot where that is the right feed tree. Or do you try to find that isolated, you know, oak tree where it's just it is mm -hmm. hot hot right now right and depending on where you are like either both of them have their 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 pros right and and yep. both of them have their cons so what are you finding out as far as like especially early season that food source or are you just trying to tuck in as close to bedding and and go from there so like you like you said uh out here it seems they they bed in the milo and they won't leave it the only thing that they will leave that model for is water. You know, that's one thing they have to have is water. Right. And what I've learned too, and actually uh, Greg Beaker and GB Feeds kind of taught me this last year too, and I didn't ever put this these puzzle pieces together, that the bigger the field, the more and bigger bucks you're going to see. So say if you've got a 30-acre model field, you might see a few deer in there, but you go over to a 300-acre model field, and I mean, they're in there like freaking fleas. And bigger deer too. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because they can get out the middle of it, and then there's just you know it's so vast they always know what's yeah. coming. And then look for that. And then you always got to look for the closest water source because they, you know, when it's 100 degrees out, they have to have water. There's no way around it. They have to. So if you find that, if you find where their food source is at, and then you know, then find the water source, you can usually kind of catch them coming yeah. back and forth a lot of them will do it at night they won't come out of the model fields till till dark but still at least if it's a really hot day you're there waiting yeah yeah so well here, here's a good here's an idea so right now kind of wrapping up the whole summer scouting you know what what are some things that you're doing and maybe things will that will stay the same for you th as leading up to the season for season for you. And then maybe what are some things that change? So like, what do you do now? What is going to stay? And then what will change for you as far as scouting these deer go? So what we're doing right now, um, Angelo was actually just here last weekend. Well, we got a lot of, a lot of cameras up. We got some feed sites out and stuff like that. We're just trying to get inventory right now see what bucks are in the area we're, we're putting these pretty close to these food sources to this milo and stuff in and close to a water source so right now we're just getting inventory see what bucks are there see what bucks came in from last year that's the biggest thing out here you gotta you gotta be willing to move you have to be willing to change and you know there's a couple of spots that i thought were gonna be really good and there's nothing there yeah so I know there's a couple of big deer in the area. Now it's just a matter of finding them. I mean, we'll, we'll have to move those cameras, those speed sites a little bit to find them. And then back to just scouting, you know, using that spotting scope, watching things from afar to figure out where they're at. Or if there's even anything worth hunting in that area right now, that's kind of the plan. Yeah. So last year you didn't kill this buck until you're that first week of November. Like what mm -hmm. does your season look like? Cause the year, the last two years prior, you it was like pretty, you know, September still, correct? 
Yep. Yes. So like you go go from two years killing these two hundred inch bucks, you know, in in September. Now you're grinding it out. Like what what? And I know you're like you said you were hunting with your sons and 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 doing all that type of stuff, which is awesome. But something has to pull pull you away and be like, okay, are you trying different things? Are you sticking to the plan? What is that plan basically when you know early season hasn't worked out now? And now we we got to go to the rut because I like what you said earlier. It's it's hey right now, if these deer aren't here, here's where I could maybe come back in November, right? And that's like kind of what what happened last year. But so you know what uh what what kind of mind tricks or things are you doing? Are you sticking to that game plan? Are you changing anything up? Are you maybe going into a little bit trying to find the the sign more so compared to like where are they feeding, like and drinking all that stuff? Anything really changed during this time? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that have changed, actually. Um, you know, we're still kind of sticking to the same game plan that we've always that we've always had as far as, you know, watching the Milo and stuff like that early season, you know. But then again, we're changing things up a little bit. Tyler Wilbur has taught me a lot of things about scrapes this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, has it worked out good. I've got a couple of big deer that are hitting these mock scrapes. And I, in June, I would have never thought. And Tyler's like, oh, hell yeah, man. Deer, yeah. he said, de- scrapes are like Facebook for deer. They will yep. use them all year round. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? He's like, no, man, come on, just, just give it a shot. So I got some hodag and stuff, small season scent and some scent ropes. And man, they are just ripping them up. And I was like, I just, you know, most guys think that scrapes are for the rut. That tells them what does are in heat, you know, what other bucks are in the area, you know, that time of year. I would have never thought that. It's just an all-around. I mean, hell, Tyler had him hitting them in freaking April, March, April. Tyler had him hitting his scrapes. I was like, God dang! So, implementing that is going to be a big game changer this year, especially in a couple of uh, these these better rut spots. Yeah. You know, and and learning some of these deer. You know, like I said, we can bait in Kansas, <clears throat> but figuring out too some of these really big mature bucks. They won't come to a bait pile. They won't come to a feeder. They just won't do it. They'll see other deer go up to it. And if they do eventually come up to it, it could even take him, hell, Zeus, it took him two months before I got a picture of him on that feeder because he was like, I'm just not sure about this thing. But once right. a deer, other deer are there, they're putting their scent on it. He's like, okay, well, I think it's safe now. So, but there's still a lot of other bucks I've had. You know, they'll stand way off in the background and you just see this big rack, but they will never come to it. Ever now, they'll come. They came and kind of checked it out, right? Mm, I know this trickery. I'm, mm, I'm out. I'm gonna go over yeah. here and eat. I don't think I'm gonna do that. Yeah. This doesn't, this doesn't yeah. seem right. Out here in this pasture, the boomers a corn pile. I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going for the organic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I don't think that this is gonna work yeah. for me. Or it could be a deal where they've came into something like that and been shot, you know, or been wounded. You know, you know how quick they pick up on things. Hell, you know, they bust you one time out of a tree stand and they're never coming by that tree. Or if they ever do again, they're going to be looking in that tree and be very worried about what's going on. So it could very well be the same thing, right. you know, as a corn pile or a feeder. You know, they immediately uh, think danger when they see that. So they just stay away from it. Has that changed a lot of different hunters out your way where, you know, maybe I'm sure growing up, it was a lot of ladder stands, like on those, on those field edges and, or in that slow, like slow only tree that you said, there's not a lot of trees in your area and all that type of stuff. Has that changed a lot? Like for the mobile hunting? I mean, I know you're big into mobile tree stands and all that type of stuff. So (laughs) 
like other hunters, right? And then how has that even uh, helped you or applied to you, basically? Well, you know what's crazy out here is that you really don't see a whole lot of other hunters. I was okay. telling Tyler and Angelo this, that you could drive around here in the rut. I mean, you could drive around all day, and you might see one picket parked on the side of the road that's actually in there hunting. So we don't have a lot of hunters, but it is changing. Uh, some of the guys that I do know, you know, just kind of doing this thing, you know, through Instagram stuff, you meet people and start talking and it is changing a lot. You know, it's like Angelo from Illinois, you know, he was been strictly a ladder stand hunter forever. And this year now he's changing over to this mobile setup. It's a lot of these guys around here are doing the exact same thing. They're getting away from these big, bulky, heavy ladder stands and getting, even these guys that hang a stand up and leave it there all year. They're like, right. Well, I can put this stand up and it's easy. It's light. It's big enough that I can hunt it out of all year. I'm just going to go that route. If I can sell a ladder tree stand or two of them and then buy me an elevate stand and put it up. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that was my, my draw like four years ago that a saddle hunting thing was because of what, what I was saying to you earlier, like after school, I only have, Oh man, by the time I get to the tree, you know what I mean? I might only have a 45, 50 minute window of actually hunting. So I need something mm-hmm. quick and easy and yeah. watching the guys do the saddle thing and, and learning it. And just like anything you practice, you learn, you're going to get better at it and you're going to find your niche with it. And that is something like for me, I like when Tether was starting out five years ago, I love what Greg and them were saying like, Hey, this is another tool in the toolbox. And like now I'm like, this is the only tool in my toolbox, right? Like, I, yep. you know, I, that's, and that's to each your own. Like you could do whatever you want to do. I'm not, I, I mean, obviously I, I love saddle hunting and, and you know, I do things for tethered, but at the same time, like for Angelo, let him learn the process of, of, of this, like let him get used to it and, and feel comfortable and really enjoy it and, and, and get better at it. And that's, that's the key, no matter what you're doing is, is enjoy it, have fun with it and, uh, and, and make sure that, you're you're ready to go because I can't stress that enough. That is the one thing for me personally, learning the whole mobile thing is, is practicing now, like just spend 20 minutes. If you got a 20 minute window, just get three feet off the ground, two feet off the ground and mm-hmm. harness in. If you're hunting from a tree stand like practice on how you're going to move and in certain, yep. certain shot opportunities. Cause that's even what I do for saddle hunting. Like when I work the, uh, Pennsylvania outdoor show in Harrisburg, the NRA show, people ask me like, you know, if I get this now, like new saddle hunters, right. I'm, I'm specifically talking about if I get this right now, will I be able to hunt it come fall? I'm like, yeah, as long as you practice, right. And like yeah. that was, that is the main thing, no matter what you're doing. And you tried filming your hunts last year. I'm sure the first time you did, you put your camera arm wasn't the opening day, right. I would hope not, <laughs> but <laughs> But, but it was still a struggle. <laughs> it is, man. It, it is still yeah. a struggle. I, I hear you on that. So no matter what you're doing out there, people, make sure you're, you're trying and practicing and, and all that stuff. Because I'm telling you, it bit me in the ass because a couple years ago, I did. I took all the initiative to get better at shooting. Like from that little elevated position, I still do it. I tell you to do it, those of you listening and everything like that. But I know I, for, for a fact, need to do it more and I'm getting better, man. And, and that's <laughs> all we can do is try to get better each day. So, John, here's another question that I want to ask all three deer. I lo- you, you were talking about, obviously, the patience, finding a pattern, 
and and going back to almost that historical data right like going back to that historical stuff but the one thing that was like in common all three had in common was you were watching this like each deer for a couple days and then you made your move Mm -hmm. so like for me that's tough and i'm sure tyler could probably kind of chime in on this one day where like uh, up here in the in mountain range where it's ridge after ridge like I'm so frustrated when I'm here in central PA and and I'm talking, when I go back home to hunt Northeast PA, there's one specific buck that when he gets on camera, man, he is a stud. He's what my dad and I've been after the last couple of years, but I'll get him like that one time. And then, then he'll be on my dad's later on in the evening for like a couple of days, but it's so hard to pinpoint his direction and everything like that. And like, the area and I've, I've clustered a ton more cameras this year just to figure out kind of, and I have them on video mode so I can kind of see which way he's moving and his mannerisms a little bit more, but you made your move after getting that consecutive for three days. It seemed like, is that your, your kind of your thing? Like, okay, one, one night, if he daylights, okay. When do you start really knowing that you want to bam, go in there and make that kill? If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go. A budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear, photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today is this um, a three-day thing like kind of explain that i would i would say really if if they're going to be consistent for two days in a row and a lot of things is too i've learned watching your weather patterns if the winds and i've got to where once we get to season or close to season start writing down on a piece of paper, you know, what buck showed up, what the wind was doing, what the temperature was, every factor, what the barometric pressure pressure was. And just some of those will play a factor. And and you can look right there on your weather. Okay, well, it was south at 12 miles an hour. It was south at 15 miles an hour. It was 92 degrees. It was 93 degrees. Okay, tomorrow's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the pretty much the exact same thing. Boom, go in there and you know, a lot of times that's what they'll do. They'll show up and you'll kill them. You know, it's, you know, cause a lot of times if the wind switches comes out of the North, they'll come out at the opposite side of the property or something, you know, cause I always want to have their wind in their face, no matter what they're doing. They want to know what's up there. They want to have their wind in the face. So that's, that's a big thing right there. Just watching weather, weather patterns can help you out a lot, but two day. Now I will say if he shows up two days out of South wind and the next day it's North, I really don't think he's going to do the same thing. That's just kind of what I've, what I've picked up on, what I've learned. But I said, if you have that reoccurring weather pattern in there, 
I would say there's a pretty damn good chance he's going to do the same thing the third day. Yeah, I like that. So, like, you know, like you said, like, day one might have been on day two, same thing. But if that third day is a whole different weather kind of situation, mm -hmm. you're kind of playing that one by ear. Now, now during the rut, take that and throw it. <laughs> <laughs> throw it out the window because you have no idea. Yeah, but I have so, noticed that during the rut, though. Yeah, it's almost like almost to the day. Sometimes, or like when they're getting to rut, when they're out out searching, you say, you know, last week of October, first week of November. If you go back and look at historical data, they will almost move and do the same thing on the same freaking day. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I, so that deer I was just uh, talking about, it is around that like. October 19th ish to 22nd ish. I, I believe that it is that the last two years he'll, he'll mosey through the one side of the mountain and uh, you better believe on, you know, where I'll be during that time frame this year. Cause it's yep. that I'm, we have yet to ever, he's our, our property is not his, his summer range whatsoever. I don't think it is his range during early fall. Um, it is until that middle October, like I mentioned, the 19th through like the 22nd is when he shows up and he sticks around then, like, cause we'll mm -hmm. get him on cameras. It's just a matter of, you know, what we were saying, being in that right spot, right time. And that deer has lived long enough. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Well, Tyler's kind of doing the same thing with big eight, you know, he knows where, yeah. where his core is and he knows where he moves around. I think he's. I can't remember if it's opposite of this, if it's like he moves to higher elevation or lower elevation, but he does one of the two. And that deer's in freaking trouble this year. Tyler's got his freaking number, man. I'm telling you, Tyler's going to kill that bastard. <laughs> I hope so, man. I know. That's, that's a really cool story, too. So early season challenges, man. What are some challenges that, like, that you seem to encounter or a hunter, any hunter could encounter during that early season, like, middle september uh early october what what are some challenges that that you're facing and, and you know what are other things that you're keen in on as well uh the heat and the bugs that's your biggest factor <laughs> i mean it's just like like we were talking about hunting in canada i don't want to go up there and freeze my damn ass off well you know what a lot of guys don't want to sit and sweat their asses off in early season either and the other thing is too once you get a buck down and it's almost 100 degrees you got to get him cooled off and you got to do it in a freaking hurry. So there isn't any, it's, you know, I know what happens, but you know, you shoot him and you leave him overnight because you can't find him. Well, when it's a hundred degrees out, when you found him the next morning, it's not going to be a good situation. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing. You know, that's thankfully, I don't know if we've ever lost one early season, but you know, you got to get them gutted and, and that too, you know, taking pictures and stuff can get challenging. I've learned a, a few other tricks now to, you know, keep them overnight, keep them cool. I know a guy with a walk-in cooler now, but, you know, if you shoot a big deer or something and you want to take pictures the next day, you got to get him gutted and get him packed full of cold ice, and you got to go out in the middle of the night and, you know, repack him full of ice. They try to keep everything cold, you know, and they get hot, and then the hair starts falling out of the hide or, or yeah. whatever. That's a that's a big problem. I hate yeah. that. I hate that early season. But Yeah. Yeah, it's a good chance to get those, those big ones, though, for you, man. It, it is, yeah. You get them on a pattern, and you know you can pretty much. That's never, it's never a, never a guarantee, but you know you can get lucky. There's a lot of times it hasn't worked out for me for sure. But so last year, just, before, before King Stickers, what you got him on camera, like I said, and not till November. What were you chasing? Like, I mean, what were you going after? Did you have a buck, or or is that why you're really focusing on the kids? Like, because it seemed like you said earlier, like it wasn't a. 
you know, as, as what you were hoping for, it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing was Blake, he was hunting that big deer and that's kind of where mm-hmm. all my attention was. I was still keeping tabs on these other farms. I mean, there was a chopstick and the King eight chopstick was probably a hundred, 175 inch 10 pointer with split brows. And yeah, I could have barely easily went after him. I didn't know if I wanted to though. He was like a, he's like a four year old. It's like okay, I want to kind of want you to get to another year, but yeah. you know, if you walked out in front of me, you could probably be, probably be in trouble. <laughs> you know, and I did. I had a uh, actually at the same place I killed Zeus early on in the year. I saw a buck through the spotting scope that was going to be a two hundred. I mean, for sure, he was going to be a two hundred. But I never could find him after that. I put cameras everywhere and just never could turn him up again. I mean, I saw him that one night from the truck. I don't know. It could have been a, he got bumped off the neighbor's property and he was there for a day and then he went back. You know, I don't know what the situation was, but I was hoping that he would show back up too. He never did. But really the biggest thing was just Blake trying to hone in on him. And then once he was finally like, all right, dad, let's take a break. Why don't you go hunt? I was like, okay, all right, let's, let's do that. And we'll revisit this thing because we're getting burnt out. You know, it was, and I shot, you know, I've shot five deer, oh, yeah, five deer over 170. And, you know, you think that you've got it figured out and you know what you're doing. But, man, I tell you what, last year, hunting that big deer, it was rough. It, And that's, too, why we took a break. We took a break, actually, a couple of times because it just got to where it wasn't fun anymore. Okay. It was like this is a job. Like, we have to go kill this deer. Like, we have to, you know. And then you start right. getting kind of pissy at every little thing you know it's because like i don't know why this isn't happening and you know so we had to take a break you know a couple times to just kind of regather our thoughts you know okay i feel like we're doing this for the wrong reasons now and we need to we need to take a break and just chill out for a minute what were some of those big takeaways then for that because i mean regardless of the deer size i mean a lot of people can relate to to that because i mean hell myself from chasing and doing all kinds of things to try to get like that buck I was talking about and the other deer earlier I mentioned what what were some takeaways that you learned that hopefully you would not like to repeat the the biggest thing is and my wife and I have both said it quite a few times you cannot force something to happen no matter how bad you want it to happen you can't force it if if it's meant to be it's meant to be it'll happen if it's if it's not meant to happen, it just won't. And, you know, that's, that was, that was a big thing that we took from that. You know, he ended up not killing the deer, but then again, we're really late in the season. I think four days before the end of season, he killed a nine and a half year old buck, not the biggest buck in the world. He was busted up, but he was a really old deer. So, you know, that was a big reward right there in itself. And, you know, it's almost like we almost kind of lost sight of it, of what we were doing. You know, we were with the white tailed bloodline at the time, and it was almost like it's not that anybody else puts this pressure on you, but you kind of put the pressure on yourself. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I've killed two 200 inch deer in a row. Now let's go kill a third one. And then when it doesn't happen, you kind of almost feel like you failed. Right. So it's, it's like, that's not why you're doing this. You right. know, you're doing it cause you love it. And then when you start to not love it, it's like, wow. Okay. All right, we're taking we're taking a week off from this because this is just getting too 
too yeah. ridiculous. Let's let's take a step back. And like I said, that's the biggest thing. Is you can't force something to happen. If you've got a big deer on camera, you know, I don't know how many guys in the history of trail cameras have got 200-inch deer on camera. I've never killed them. I mean, a lot. You know, there's a yeah. lot of 200-inch deer that have just either vanished or God knows what. Right. So, yeah, that was that was a hard one. It was a hard pill to swallow, but at the end of season, we kind of we kind of saw saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and we're just like, you know, we can't we can't make it happen. No matter how bad you want it, you can't make right. it. And when you try to force something to happen, of course, then the deer just leaves because now he knows he's hunting. He just pressured. He's going to leave. Right. So it's you know hunt the right hunt the right times and just be patient. You have to be patient. Yeah. I like that. So your key, one of the other things that would you say, were you just putting a crap ton of pressure on this deer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I I like what you said though. I mean, like you can't, like you said, you can't, I mean, you've, you've killed some, like you said, five deer over 170. I mean, every year, someone, multiple, I'm just saying, I say someone just because of the social media of, of where we're at, you know, like you follow someone, they might kill that hammer and man, they're glo- like they get gloated for like that one a couple of days, and then after that, like people move on, right? Like you move yeah. on to to try to kill your deer or go after your hunt, and and uh, I'll tell you what, John, the one thing uh, you could tell how much you love hunting, right? You could tell how much you, you you love for hunting with your boys and all that stuff, and your friends and and all that stuff, and I'm sure you get that and understand that, and that's the one thing like you're hunting the hunt. And that is the the key, my key takeaway this year. I'm going to kind of coin that like hunt the hunt. And because regardless of what you are, you want to get out of that situation, man, just go hunt it, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you are, like I said earlier, there might be times where I might be going after work and I only have that little bit. I'm going to hunt to scout. Like my job that day for me personally, uh, I I don't say job, but you know what I'm saying? Like my, my thing that I want to accomplish that day is going to be okay. If I'm hunt, if if I'm gonna plan to hunt this spot come Saturday, I want to know coming into it that there's actually sign there and X, Y, and Z, and not just mm-hmm. yeah, that looks pretty good. I know my cameras told me whatever, and go in there like hunt your hunt, go after it, do what you want to do, enjoy it, love that process, man, and and uh, you could see and good things happen, you know, and, yep. and yep. we just don't, I I just don't live in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's a hard thing to, you know, last year, like I said, it was, you know, you killed two giants, you know, now you need to do it three in a row. So I think I just put too much pressure on myself. It it, it was rough. So this year, I'm just kind of like, if it happens, it happens. If one falls into our lap and it works, then great. But, you know, don't, I'm not going to stress myself over it. You know, like I said, trying to force something to happen, it's just yeah. not going to work. You know, if, if, if the good Lord wants it to happen, it'll happen. What's uh, any other states that, that you have lined up for this upcoming year at all? Uh, yeah. Angela and I are going to be going down to Northern Texas. Okay. There's a, there's a few counties down there that are bow only and a lot of, a lot of big public areas that some big deer have been taken out of in past years. So we're going to be going there in the, I think the first or second week of December, we're headed down okay. there for a week. So super excited for that. But, Fucking Angelo, he's hitting four states this year. I'm kind of jealous of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he'll have what? Illinois. He'll go to Kansas, Texas. What's the other one? Pennsylvania. He's he's yeah, gonna go, go home with Tyler. Uh, nice. Yep. 
Yeah. Very cool, man. So what, what are you guys doing over there with the legacy uh, pursuit? Uh, so we're, we're working on getting the YouTube channel built up. Yep. Actually with, right before this, I was working on a YouTube video. Um, you know, right now, Instagram is what we got going. I, I don't know that we're going to do a podcast. Um, we like doing the podcast and stuff like that. It's just, there's, there's a lot of them out there. Yep. So, you know, we're like, I don't know if we need to just throw another one, but we like doing them because it's really not about the listens that you're going to get to or about being the biggest podcast out there. You know, we're never yep. going to be working class bow hunters. It's just not going to happen. Right, but what's right. cool is just making the connections with people, you know, getting to talk to people from, you know, Washington state and guys that hunt coos deer in California and stuff like that, or hunt mule deer out west or home with you guys in Pennsylvania. You know, it's about talking to all of these yeah, guys in different parts of the country. That's what we love about it. Yeah, that's what I love too, man. I love learning and growing and, and getting these these opportunities to talk, you know, hunting with such cool people and, and down to earth. So I like it, man. John, we're we can kind of wrap things up. Uh, I did you know, we just said we're gonna hunt your hunt and and for this upcoming year, I wish you the best of luck. I hope one of those uh another big slammer you, you get on camera and I hope I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I hope that sucker shows up on a scrape and you're going to have to <laughs> yeah. hunt them over a scrape because I'll tell you what, I love, I love them. And, and I agree with Tyler They They are the Facebook of, of, uh, for deers, you know, yeah. no doubt about it. So man, where, where could people find you over personally on Instagram as well as the legacy pursuit on Instagram as well? Yeah. So my personal page is John Landwer 88. And then you can find us the, as a group at legacy pursuit. And then, of course, my boys, Tyler and Angelo. Uh, Angelo is at the Hunting Life 365, and Tyler is Tyler Wilbur something. I can't remember what, yeah, <laughs> can't remember what the end of Tyler is. <laughs> you just look up Tyler Wilbur, you're going to find him. But uh, it's it's really cool. Um, you know, we're doing our own thing. We just started this a few months ago. We don't have a lot of followers yet, but I think all the people that are true that were true followers to us um, are coming with, you know, they came with us and stuff like that. We still got all of our partners, uh, you know, Elevate, Osseo, all those guys, Rec, Kanadi, uh, Gilly Puck, you know, we still got all those guys backing us. So it's going to be a really fun year. We're going to, we're the, what we're shooting for is 10 bucks on the ground all on film. That's, that is our goal. So nice. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tall order to fill, but that's going to be our, uh, that's kind of, kind of be our goal, you know? And so we're super excited about it. You know, like I said, Tyler's dad is coming out to Kansas, uh, to do his dream hunt this year. And I'm, I'm really actually excited for Tyler's dad to get here. I told Tyler, I was like, you know, where I have the buck, the biggest buck that we've got on camera and the most consistent, that's where we're putting your dad. Yeah. I said, Tyler, you've got a lot of years of hunting left. Your dad, your dad's getting up there in age. I said, we're going to put him where he has the best chance yeah. in the biggest deer. So he's like, hell yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. I, I like it. Yeah, we had Tyler on a couple of shows ago. So go back, listen to that. That was a really fun conversation. Plan to do that. Did another one with him again for this upcoming year. So, uh, man, John, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, make sure you guys, ever, th those of you listening, go Go follow John, go follow Tyler, go follow Angelo and, and definitely follow their uh, legacy pursuit they have going on and make sure to check it out on, on YouTube as well. And uh, John, appreciate it, man. We'll see you uh, next week, everybody. Next time. Antler up. Thanks, Jeremy.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.